0: Hello, and welcome to the Training with Tucker podcast. My name is Tucker Gross. I'm an endurance athlete and coach, and I started this podcast to put out short weekly episodes on a variety of different training topics to help athletes out there improve and have a deeper understanding of how to train. This is episode number 16. And in this one, I chat about breathing with doctor of physical therapy, Lauren LaPierre. Dr. LaPierre lives in Massachusetts, She ran competitively in college herself and is a two-time Boston Marathon qualifier. And through her business, she offers both in-person physical therapy to individuals in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, as well as virtual wellness consultations for anyone, anywhere. Beyond being an incredibly accomplished athlete and a wealth of knowledge, Lauren is a good friend who I got to know through the Boston running community. She has been a valuable asset for me both in my training and has helped many of my athletes improve their strength and stay healthy. I really appreciate Lauren taking the time to join me on the podcast, and I can assure you she will be back on again in the future. Today we focused the conversation on breathing. I was eager to learn more about this, and I am sure you will get a lot from this episode. Here is my conversation with Dr. Lauren Lapierre. Hey there, Lauren. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you, Tucker?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate you coming on and no talking all things breathing. Uh, this is obviously something that is super important for all of us, no matter uh, what you do for fun, but in particular for runners. So I'm really excited to to have you on the podcast today and chat about something that is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, and I'm excited to to learn. So I'm going to give you the floor and give us a little bit of an intro
1: on breathing. Awesome. Okay. Um, So first, hi, my name is Dr. Lauren Lapierre. I'm a physical therapist out of the Boston, Rhode Island area, um, Massachusetts, Rhode Island area. Um, But I – over the last year have gotten really into breath work um, and the impacts that it can really have on us. And I think something that is super knowledgeable and necessary to have some type of like background on for everybody, especially now with us in COVID times and wearing masks still, um, just because it is, it it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Um, So breathing is not only just in terms of cardiovascular-wise, like, helping us get um, oxygen to our organs and to our muscles, but it also has a huge impact on digestion and neural responses and as well as, like, our mood. Um, so that's, I mean, one of the reasons why people can use breath work in order to, like, help reduce anxiety and stress and fear. Um But there's just so many other facets that it actually has an impact on. And so I wanted to go over that a little bit. um, And how do you take a proper breath? Um, And it's a bit complicated, but we'll kind of dive into that as we go. So with that, um, let's just actually try taking a breath right now. And like I will talk you through it. If we were to take a proper breath, what it would actually be like is inhaling through your nose, very soft inhale, quiet inhale for five to six seconds, exhale through the mouth all the way out eight to ten seconds, and then pausing in between. Big thing that people will start to do with that is start to raise their chest. Um, So they'll start to kind of lift up into their chest and lift their rib cage more and more. Uh, And it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's more that we want to be able to expand into the chest versus starting to move the chest with the breath. Um, And so how, again, how we start to work on that is working with the diaphragm. Um, The diaphragm should help kind of descend down into our abdomen. and. It works kind of like a dome. And so when we inhale, it domes down and it starts to kind of push down into our organs. Um, And on the opposite side of that is your pelvic floor, which is kind of where we have muscles in between our legs, where our urogenital muscles are, our sexual um, muscles are. And that also is a dome and it should also dome down as we breathe in. And the opposite should occur as we breathe out. And so it should push back up. So pressure actually shouldn't change too much when we are taking that breath in and out. Pressure should just shift. And if we don't have the ability to have that shift down or back up, that's when we can have some dysfunction happening on either side. The other muscles that are also involved with this are the abdominal muscles as well as the back muscles. And so it kind of creates this beautiful canister of pressure management. And unfortunately, with our lifestyles and with our like specific movement patterns that we are required to do on a daily basis, especially in adulthood, we don't really have great positioning to utilize our pelvic floors. We don't have great positioning to utilize our um, deep abdominal muscles or our or our diaphragm, um, and so that actually ends up creating just an inability to properly manage pressure, and that's where we start seeing more of these like atypical patterns and compensatory strategies with like elevating the chest or coming down into a really slouched uh, slouched over posture and like breathing heavily into like the back breathing can really have an effect on our posture. And it's not just our posture in like one static position. I'm talking posture as we move um, because everybody has different postures in different positions of life. So that's kind of like the big basic right there um, of getting into the anatomy side of it and like how it's connected to the musculature.
0: Great. Thanks so much. That was a, a perfect way to start the podcast out. I feel like I'm going to have to go back and edit out a lot of my own breathing because I'm trying, I'm practicing <laughs> my own breathing uh, here as you're going through that and walking through what a, a good breath should consist of. So I'll probably have to go back and edit, out, edit okay. out some heavy breathing.
1: But when you did that, when you were trying that, did it feel tight? Did it feel restricted? Because that's a common report that I get from a lot of people when they try to take that slow inhale, slow exhale all the way out. um, People feel very restricted because you're you're not used to breathing that way. And I'm not suggesting at all that we should be 100% breathing this way all the time. It's hard. And I don't expect people to do that. But to be able to just elicit that and be able to find that and take your time doing that can actually have so many benefits on your body, your posture, your health, your like I said, there's so many different systems that it can work into your anxiety levels, your stress levels. Um it can really take a huge toll off of those other things.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's definitely something that I found right now doing that was was not too challenging, but I know when I am busy or stressed or anxious, yeah, that that's a lot harder to really stay that focused and take that 5 seconds slow inhale. Yeah. Um, I know you want to go into some of the, the science in the background and, and all of that, and hopefully it's not uh, super sciencey because <laughs> uh, it might be over my head and some listeners' heads, but I would love to have you go a little bit into the, the science behind breathing. Yeah.
1: So Um, I think the most important thing to understand, like I said, is that breathing just doesn't have an effect on like our musculature and like providing energy in terms of oxygen to different areas of our body, but it also has an effect on our nervous system. So we have two major systems, your fight or your, um, your fight and flight or your rest and digest system. And those two systems will directly be impacted by how we are breathing. So you can impact those systems by your breathing or those systems can impact you and change your breathing. Um, And this is done by one of the major cranial nerves called the vagus nerve. And so it essentially travels down from the back of your um, neck all the way down into your abdomen and your thoracic cavity. And it connects to major organs like your heart, your lungs, your digestive system, things like that, Um, your esophagus. um, And it controls those major functions that we need, heart rate, breath rate, um, whether you need to vomit or (laughs) uh, get out some toxins that you just took in. Um, So things like that. And... Because it has a direct connection to your lungs, like I said, you can influence that nerve by how you breathe, or that nerve can influence your breath rate by the situation that you are in. So let's take the last over a year that we have been stuck in quarantine times, isolation, high anxiety, there's been social unrest and an election that was like way too much. (laughs) But that was pretty stressful for a lot of people. Even if we do not feel like we are directly impacted by that on a daily basis, our body still senses that those things are off in our life. And it can tell and your body and your brain, its whole purpose as a being is to sense and find threats. It's not going to look for the good things it's never going to look for the good things because the good things are the good things. The bad things are what could kill us. And unfortunately in that primitive mind state, which that vagus nerve kind of works off of, we are looking for those threats and that can be an internal threat, whether like that's an infection or something like that, or an injury, or that's an external threat. And a lot of our external threats right now in our life, we're not really worried about like being killed by a lion. We're, more worried about like the stress of our job and the election and like the pandemic and like all of these things that like we have to do um and unfortunately because days go on we don't typically get to like sit down and like actually absorb and like reflect on what those things have impacted with us um so it's important to realize that like that can play into each other. And so a lot of people, what, what we would call like an atypical breathing pattern, which there are many, um, but like I said, that elevated chest breathing, kind of like very shallow diaphragmatic breaths, that's not typically what we would like to see because then you're not getting the most efficiency out of that diaphragm. And you're also, again, re kind of promoting the vagus nerve to like stimulate your um sympathetic nervous system to start that fight or flight response. And so you're kind of revving yourself up. You are making yourself more anxious, more stressed, um more tired at the end of the day because like your system's just on overdrive. And I would say about like 80 to 90% of the people that I see on a daily basis for physical therapy and wellness, like they're living in an overinflated state and the masks do not help. The masks kind of promote this mouth breathing, which again, that's more of an atypical breathing pattern. Um, So this mouth breathing that, again, doesn't efficiently activate your diaphragm doesn't get these things kind of working together. And so being able to take that slow, controlled breath into those restricted places into the body, creating space, creating an actual internal stretch from within actually will slow everything down, you physically cannot be like, Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. If you're taking those slow breaths, you you will start to get tired. You will start to get relaxed. A lot of people will start to yawn because you are slowing down that breathing pattern. Um, and it's something that initially your brain will be like, whoa, 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 I'm not getting enough of a breath in. But we also, like there's a reason we are higher level beings. We have the cognizance to be able to be like, no, I can control this. I have the will to be able to do this on my own. And it's not that we should ignore like the natural patterns that our body already has set in motion, but sometimes the body needs a little bit of a reset. And I think breathing is a really great way to get that reset and just start from scratch. Hopefully that was not too (laughs) sciencey.
0: No, that that was perfect. I can understand. So that that means most people should understand. (laughs) Awesome. So, I want to go a little more into the running side of this mm-hmm. and obviously breathing, we take in oxygen, very important for life, but as endurance athletes, it is really the most important piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, we need oxygen to do everything. So I want to go a little bit into breathing for runners. And so the first thing I want to touch on is this highly talked about and somewhat controversial debate between how you should breathe while you run mm-hmm. and more specifically nasal breathing versus breathing through your mouth so what are your thoughts on this topic and breathing in general for for runners and maybe give some suggestions of how one can think about their breathing while they are out exercising
1: yeah so um i work with a lot of runners and yes it definitely is a very like Strong topic out there of whether or not to do one or the other, and truly there is no quote unquote right answer. I mean, the right answer in terms of if like everything was perfect and we lived in this wonderful bubble, yeah, nasal breathing. But that's typically not going to be the thing that we are going to do because, again, exercise that's increasing your fight or flight response, that's making you need to like move fast, do something quick, like we're we're revving that system up, and so your body is going to automatically try to take in more breath and more air. And the way that we can do that is by mouth breathing and kind of sucking in air. Is it the most efficient? No, because actually in terms of nasal breathing, we open up more of our path pathways to be able to take in air and oxygen. Um the nasal passageway also helps to humidify and to um decrease like what I want to say, pathogens. So, like it, it um,
0: it filters, right? It kind of acts like a filter, exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. Um, so it filters out any of like the stuff that we should not be having in our body. Um, and it also creates a stimulus with um nitrate oxide, I believe, and that actually will help for the blood cells to be able to absorb the oxygen to be able to transport it faster. Again, ideally, nasal breathing, but that's not a realistic answer. I never tell any of my clients like, yes, I expect you to breathe in this one way while you're running. I tell them work on your breath work independently with the positions that we work on to help their specific like functional movement deficits or things like that or whatever they're like specifically trying to improve. And then when you go out and you run, just run. Don't necessarily focus one way or the other. If you are purposely trying to maybe improve your cardiovascular function, and you're trying to maybe increase a little bit of a stress or a strain to improve your lung capacity, try nasal breathing. But I would try that at a very, like, regimented, like, maybe like pull to pull, like strides type of thing. Like you don't want to do it for an, like you're not going to go out and try and run a mile, just nasal breathing off the start because that's going to feel way too hard. So like break it down into smaller steps to be able to build up and feel more comfortable there. It will get a little bit easier over time. But again, I don't think it's necessarily realistic to try every single day when we're typically not going to be in that state of mind. We also have to kind of respect again, the natural way that our bodies are created to react to stress and strain. And that is mouth breathing.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great take. I I do encourage my athletes on their easy runs to focus on breathing in through their nose and out through their Mm -hmm. mouth, but not exclusively, right? And I think you make a good point there that not everybody is the same. And for some people, nasal breathing is super relaxed and comfortable and easy. And for other people, it doesn't work. And I, I, that's why I try to really coach my athletes more on effort instead of saying like, Oh, if you're, if you're breathing in through your mouth, you're going too hard, right. On an Mm -hmm. easy run, because that might not be the case. That might just be how they operate. And and it's important to, as you said, practice your breathing separately so that you're working on that skill independently. And then that will in turn impact how you breathe when you are exercising. Um,
1: yeah, and I think the breathing in through the nose strategy, out through the mouth, is a great way to, again, elicit a cue in people and make them like think like, oh, I'm trying too hard on my easy run day. Slow it down. Slow your breath rate down. Take a minute. Take a breath. Take an actual breath, not <gasps> in through the mouth and like gasping for air, but take a slow breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. <sighs> You can do that while you're running. It's again, not going to feel super comfortable because you're straining and you're stressing your body, but it will make you feel better. It will make you feel like you're more in control and it will kind of just like ease the systems down and calm you down a little bit versus like, we're always just so go, go, go. And a lot of runners are like, oh, running's quick. I can just get it in, get it over with and move on with my day. And like, we don't take time for anything else. And I say this because I am also a runner and I've done that. Um, and I'm learning to like undo those things. So, um, but I think that's a great strategy to kind of get people just more aware. I think that's probably the thing that I've also learned the most over the last year is that breath work, it isn't just about the breathing, but it's also giving people more, um, attunement with their bodies and having that introspection to themselves and like being able to feel things a little bit more versus just go and like ignore it and deal with it later.
0: Right. And I think breathing is something that we, we take for granted, right? I don't know the oh, yeah. exact number, but you know we're taking thousands.
1: 20,000 breaths per day.
0: Thank you. I, I had a feeling you would know the answer to that. <laughs> um, so 20,000 breaths per day, and it's just something that is very, very you know, natural for us, obviously, and you're breathing until you die, and so we just take it for granted, and we don't think about how important it is to practice this skill and to be more efficient um in how we are breathing and like you said to get in in tune with your body and in tune with this process that we that we do just take for granted um and really get a feel for how how that should should be working um yeah you mentioned their breath rates and mm-hmm. something that I work with my athletes on is using breath rate as a gauge for different effort levels and I wanted mm-hmm. to get your your thoughts on on this because something that I tell my athletes is you should roughly be able to take one breath in per three steps for a breath out and three steps for a breath in mm-hmm. on an easy run. Mm-hmm. And then if, if you are taking one breath per two steps, right, one breath out per two steps, um, one breath in for two steps, then that is likely too hard of an effort uh, for, let's say, an easy run, and it's more of a threshold effort. Um, and then if you're below that threshold, you may even need to go down to like a two-to-one breath rate, two steps for a breath in or a breath out, and then one step for a breath out or a breath in. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on using br- breath rates as a way of gauging your effort and things like that?
1: So, yeah, I mean, so with with the step rate that you're talking about, are you talking like physical, like left foot, right foot, left foot
0: to be able to take like
1: one breath in and then one breath out. So like essentially a stride length.
0: So be three total steps for one breath in and then three steps for one breath out.
1: Yeah. So I think that that's a very good rate to like keep people in because that's actually the normal rate of like what we should be actually doing there's a whole science behind actually how breathing and the musculature of the like lower limb work together as you breathe in and you step and as you breathe out and you push off and like there's all of these things that kind of work together and it could be the opposite i'm still learning the science on that because it is very in depth but essentially like one side of your body will be working kind of in an inhaled state and then the outs- the other side of your body will be working in an exhalation state. Um, so you're going to be working in two different sides on two different sides of your body because of the fact that we're doing two different motions. Whenever one foot is on the ground with the running, the other leg is in swing phase and vice versa. So like we're always kind of in this reciprocal state. And I think that's also something that may be important to kind of mention here is that we are asymmetrical. We are not meant to be 100% perfect on both sides. It's not meant to be that way. So a lot of times with my clients, again, I encourage them to do certain things on one side of the body and maybe something a little bit different on the opposite side based off of those asymmetries and how breathing in certain ways can help to like not fix them, but help them just transition a little bit more left to right or right to left without having a block because they're not lining up correctly. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, 100%. And so so you kind of already went into this, but you know, you mentioned there the connection between your breathing and your movement. Is there anything Mm -hmm. you want to elaborate on that? Or do you feel like you hit the everything you want to touch on that?
1: Um, I think so with that, like, it's important to realize that like, these atypical breathing patterns they are going to like I think I touched upon have an effect on posture but they're also going to have an eventual effect on like neck pain TMJ pain shoulder impingement sternocostal hypermobility which I think is something that you had talked about like you are getting like this popping sensation in the front of your chest and you're like what is happening it can happen it can affect low back pain hip pain All of these different things can kind of work together because our thorax, our our trunk is our base. This is where everything occurs from. So to not respect breathing, essentially because we take it for granted, like you said, like it's something that just happens without us thinking. So we think that we can just go on without ever having to work on it. But I mean, we work on our heart health by going to the gym and by running. So why wouldn't we think that we need to like actually do some stuff to work on the muscles of our lungs to help with that, to work on the muscles outside of our lungs and in our rib cage to help with that mobility? Because so many people don't know how to move their rib cage. They just don't think it's supposed to move, but it is. It actually does move. It's supposed to move in many different ways um, to help with inhalation and exhalation. And if the rib cage is not moving or not sitting over your pelvis correctly. Well, that's where, again, like you can start to have all of these different dysfunctional moving patterns um, in other areas of the body. And when we start to lose availability of movement and we start to just move one way because it's the easiest way, because inherently, our again, our body's trying to save energy. It is lazy. It's just trying to do the best job that it can on a daily basis so that we can rest our head down and be like, yay, we survived. But if we keep doing that on a daily basis, eventually what ends up happening is pain because we've lost the availability of the other side of the movement that we should have. We've lost what we can move in and out of. Again, moving through that neutral position. That doesn't mean symmetrical. That just means being able to move equally from right to left side, front and back.
0: I was hoping you might bring this up and I might get some (laughs) free medical advice. Obviously, this is not a diagnosis, um, but- for anybody out there that might be dealing with any of those sorts of pain that you were mentioning, as you as you mentioned, I've been dealing, and it's it seems to have improved a little bit without me really doing anything, which is lucky, um, but a little bit of pain in my in my sternum area, a little bit of that popping sensation. Um, if people out there are dealing with some similar pain in their neck in their sternum, um, and those other areas that you mentioned, what are some recommendations that you would have to help to improve? how they are breathing
1: so without seeing a physical therapist i would utilize just like resources available to us so like things like headspace actually is a great like tool in terms of like i know they talk about like meditation and stuff like that but the breathing that they talk about with that actually does help to work on these things so in terms of learning to slow down, again, a learning to just be a little bit more introceptive with yourself can actually help to just kind of like bring you down a notch and help your body reset. Now that doesn't happen trying it one time a day for five days. Like you have to work on this like for months, for maybe years. Um, I just went through a continuing education course that worked a lot on this and like how to incorporate it with clients and like higher level movements. But I have been working on my breathing patterns and my ability to like control it and be better with it. And it's been like three and a half months. And now I'm just starting to see like changes in my posture, changes in my patterns, changes in like how I breathe and where I get my breath from and just like my attunement to like the things in my body that I'm like, oh, that that feels a little weird. Like, why is that happening? I go and like stop breathe, like do a positional breathing pattern that I kind of like utilize. And like it helps in terms of like not seeing a physical therapist that works on breath work. That would be my suggestion. Just finding something that like meditation or an app like that to help you kind of slow your breath rate down. Think about diaphragmatically breathing. And I should put this caveat in here. Diaphragmatic breathing is not belly breathing. So everybody will take a breath in through their belly and their belly will kind of go and pop out. That is not what we're looking for here. You should still be able to maintain some deep core activation and some stability there. And yes, your belly will start to like expand slightly. But what we should see throughout the entire cavity is actually 360 expansions. So expansion from the sides, the front, the top, the bottom, and from the back. Um, So everything should move kind of together. And so that would be my recommendation in terms of kind of like thinking about that type of breath work. But otherwise I would suggest like looking up and trying to find a PT in your local area or doing some wellness sessions with me.
0: <laughs> so you're saying there's no quick fix that you can nope. get in uh, one session. Um, no, like anything, right? It takes time, it takes practice. That's a perfect segue. I would love to hear more about what you are currently doing. I know you are offering your, PT services in the Massachusetts, Rhode Island area, but you're also offering services to people outside of those states. So would you mind elaborating a little bit on what that entails?
1: Yeah, so um, I currently just kind of started up doing virtual wellness sessions to be able to create a bigger impact with as many people as I really can to kind of get my message out there and um, see if. This breathing stuff really drives with people. And I think a lot of people actually really do love it. I haven't had a, I've only had maybe like one or two like really high energy people like kind of like not drive with it because essentially all I'm asking my clients to do within like the first like one or two sessions is like learn how to breathe. And like you get to like sit in this position. It may not feel like super comfortable, but like all you're doing is breathing and it takes like five minutes of your day. You, everybody can find five minutes in their day to like. Breathe for a couple of breaths, and so with um, virtual wellness, what we can kind of go over is like prior issues that you may have had, certain like functional goals that you're looking for, or just like questions about your body. Like everybody goes to their PCP, and like they're like, "Oh, I have X number of things that I need to ask him about in terms of me," and like then we get in there, and like we maybe ask one or two, and then we forget the rest, and we're just like so baffled by our own selves. (laughs) And so I want to be able to give that knowledge and give that education to people. And so using that space to be able to help people just understand themselves a little bit more, understand how maybe one person should try breathing in this way because they have developed this specific strategy over a period of time and somebody else should maybe use a completely different strategy or People may use the same same strategy, but it may be for two completely different reasons. Um, And then taking that and developing it into like an exercise program that, again, meets their goals, meets their needs. So like a lot of runners like need some form of strength training on the side. Why don't we learn how to breathe properly and use that with your strength training program and like learn how to incorporate the two and so that you're effectively learning how to. improve your breath work, but also strengthening your legs, strengthening your arms, strengthening your core so that everything's working together. So that when you move forward and you go into your race, like you've literally had all of the base levels that you really should be touching upon.
0: I think we should rebrand your, your business as like, you know, Dr. Lauren's 4% gains or something, you know, (laughs) everybody's out there dropping $250 on, you know, for the
1: shoes <laughs> for
0: on a carbon plated uh, racing shoe. And yet, you know, as you're saying, if, if you were to say that doing this type of work, doing these sessions had a 4% improvement in your marathon time, I think you'd have uh, a lot of people banging on your doors. But the reality is, like, it might not be as visible, right? But it is super important.
1: Well, I can't say it was all due to breath work, but I did have a um, high school client of mine. He started working with me and he uh, he started doing all the exercises that I told him and he, um, what, he was coming back from injury. So he was actually more of a PT client, but he came back to me one day and like he had gone to soccer practice and he was like, I don't know what I've been doing because like I, he hadn't been like doing, he hadn't been actually like practicing as like regimentally as like the rest of his team had. Um, but he's like, I'm faster. He's like, I've never been the fastest person to like run sprints, but I sprinted out sprinted all of these people. He was like so proud of himself. And I was like, I'm so proud of you, but like I'm also so proud of me because like <laughs> we helped get you there and we yeah. helped like figure out the right program and the right recipe for you to like see those results. And it didn't happen overnight. It took him a couple months to get there. But he got there and he sees value in that and he sees like how much he has learned and how, how much better he has gotten from taking the time to invest in himself for this. So it's been huge.
0: Definitely. I want to ask you a couple last questions here. Um, just give me your, your quick thoughts on these. Do you, are you have a current book that you are reading that you would recommend to listeners?
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so bad with reading.
0: Or podcast or show.
1: Uh, I, so I love listening to actually Nike trained. Um, I don't jive with them on everything, but Nike trained has a lot of like great guest speakers that touch a lot on a lot of different topics. So like, they don't just like interview athletes. Um, and even when they interview athletes, it's not just like all about like the athletic side of things. It's about like the holistic point of view. So I think that that's a very relevant um, podcast to like any listener here. Um, in terms of just like seeing again the holistic side of things and maybe learning something in the process.
0: Great, I'll have to check that one out. This will be might be an easy one for you. Um, putting you on the spot here as a PT, do you have a favorite strength training exercise?
1: Anything, hamstrings, everything, hamstrings. I love. Most people think that they need to stretch out their hamstrings, and I'm going to tell you, no, you probably do not like i think like i have i actually have not met a person in the last year that needed to stretch their hamstrings everybody needed to strengthen their hamstrings and because people's hamstrings are so weak like people fatigue out so quickly and so like it's such like a sweet burn and especially like i think as a runner you just love those things that like really kind of get down to your nitty-gritty core and like make you work um so everything hamstrings definitely
0: <laughs> love it and what does your current training look like? Anything on the books?
1: <sighs> um, not currently in terms of running and racing, unfortunately. I'm still kind of waiting for Massachusetts to open up some like smaller road races. I do live next to Rhode Island, so I could hop into there. But I have been currently, like I said, focusing on my own strength training and incorporating my own breath work to improve my posture and kind of essentially practice what i preach and i don't do it every day but i do it enough where like i said i am seeing changes and it does help with my running i feel faster and i feel more efficient with the way that i'm running by doing this stuff so i'm i'm excited for hopefully the summer when things open up again and i can actually like just see what happens if i just go and try and like let it rip (laughs) out of 5k
0: (laughs) definitely you're laying down the foundation, you're working on on some really important stuff, and I'm sure you're going to see the, the benefits down the line. Um, well, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and share all of this great info and share your knowledge. I will make sure to put your website information, um, your social media information in the show notes, but real quick. Uh, for anybody that's listening and choosing not to maybe check out the show notes or maybe they're driving and they just want to you know, remember, uh, best way to contact you, what's the the preferred method to get in touch with you?
1: Um, so probably easiest way that most uh, people will be able to like quickly get on is Instagram. Um, I'm on my phone a lot because I run my business essentially off of that and my computer. Um, so my Instagram handle is at drlauren.pt. Um, You can just slide me a DM there. Um, My email is also on my bio and you can shoot me an email there. If you are at all interested um, in setting up a consultation, I do free 30 minute consultations and then we can kind of work work from there to figure out which program would be best for you, PT or wellness.
0: And that is open to anyone in any state, any country?
1: Uh, So the wellness side of it is yes. Yes. Due to like laws in the U.S. with PT. Not exactly, but the wellness does give us a little bit of like flexibility in terms of working with anybody anywhere um, in terms of like an education and consultation side of things.
0: Perfect. So if you're interested in Lauren's wellness, um, wellness 4% gains program, (laughs) check her out. All right, Lauren. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. We will have to do this again on another topic that Uh, you can educate me and the listeners on. So thanks again.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, there it is. I hope you enjoyed this one. Thank you so much for listening. If you did like this episode, I would really appreciate a five-star rating. And also please share this with friends and enemies, training partners, family, or just send this to the next person that spam calls you. If you have any questions about the episode, you can reach out to Dr. Lauren or myself. Contact information for both of us is in the show notes. Also, please let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future episodes, both in general and for the next time that I bring Lauren back on. Make sure that you hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode, and I look forward to bringing you more information to help you become the best version of yourself.